Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Welcome to the final hour of Overnight America on a beautiful Tuesday evening. As we head towards Christmas, hope that uh, your holidays are satisfying every wish that you could ever have for them. Maybe you're spending time uh, getting ready for a big virtual event or maybe a quasi-virtual event. And uh, glad you're spending it with us tonight. I'm Randy Tobler in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, with uh, Joe Scarborough and uh, had a chance to have a conversation with him recently, and we'll play a bit of that uh, in the next uh, in the next segment. He wrote an interesting uh, history, uh, really quite well done, on uh, on the Truman Doctrine and how the turn of events as Truman took office after he was elected, following you know ascending to the chair when Franklin Roosevelt died, uh, and and how that decision to help support uh, at that time a struggling Turkey and Greece when the rug was pulled out from under them because the the UK who had been supporting them where which had been supporting them was uh, was out of money they were out of bucks after the war and uh, they tossed the ball and it could have been a hot potato that Truman didn't want to take but he did talk about one of the most consequential presidents ever Harry Truman and he really left with very poor approval ratings but yet Historically, looking back, made uh, made a huge, huge impact on the history, not only of this country, but uh, the world as well. Not that intervening and helping supporting other countries is necessarily always the right thing to do. And maybe some would say it's never the right thing to do. If uh, The isolationist, probably a time and place for it to be done properly. Speaking of that, the uh, boy, Washington, D.C. is in turmoil today and Folks across the land who thought that they were going to get a $600 check, and so were their children, if they made under 75000 And business owners that thought they'd get a little more payroll protection plan and uh, health care facilities that were going to get a little help to sustain operations, um, and on and on. All of that has been turned on its ear because um, that was part of a $2.3 trillion package that included a $1.4 billion package or $1.4 trillion omnibus spending bill, along with a $900 billion, uh, the, the, the COVID relief, what is it? What are we now in COVID relief 4.0? And uh, Trump says, well, $600 is enough. I want you to go back and uh, sharpen your pencils. We need $2,000. I'd prefer $4,000. 
What must Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy be thinking now? <laughs> I, I wish I owned the bar that they must be drinking heavily at this evening. <laughs> Gosh. So I don't know. Well, they're probably home, I guess. They, they did their, 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 their duties and they went home. So Trump hasn't signed that. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, the guy is probably going to leave office. Now, there, there's some that say that, you know, there's a, there's a constitutional mechanism that if a senator stands up and then there's a way that the Senate in, that can, can vote and say he needs a second term and he wins. I, boy, mm, struggling with that one. How, how that would work out. But um, talk about some polarization within the country. Oh, my God. Be, be a disaster. But uh, so if, if he's and he said uh, in his in his little speech, you heard at the top of the hour, if he he said, well, you know, uh, the next administration can administer this uh, improved bill that I'm demanding that you go back and, you know, amend with with higher amounts of the checks going out to people and uh, the next administration, which may be me, I'm like, he's he, he's not letting it go. And they're there are rabid, diehard Republicans that will not let it go. And um, I, but if he if he thwarts any bill in pursuit of what he views as the best bill, a lot of folks are going to be left by the wayside. And that is going to create a lot of bitterness, I think, among folks towards uh, towards the Trumpster. I don't know. It could be wrong. What do you think? 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Boy, we live in interesting times. Put that in big air finger quotes. Interesting. Ugh. Maybe we could all do with a little less of that. Larry's on. Larry called last night. We welcome you back, Larry. Night. What's up? You brought up the constitutional issue. Actually, it's gaining traction today. There's a lot of people, Brooks and on and on and on, that are going to get up when the states mention. But that's not why I called. So who said this? Pass the bill to find out what's in it. A famous quote by whom? Yeah, well, we know who that was. It, wa- it wasn't Mitch McConnell, and it wasn't uh, Kevin McCarthy, and it wasn't uh, Paul Ryan. It was Nancy Pelosi. Thank you. Okay, so let's look at the bill that you s- seem like you have somewhat disdain over. Let's look at what was in this bill. $1,800 for illegal immigrants. By the way, it was not four thousand. It was four thousand per married couple. You said four thousand. Oh, yeah, per married couple. You're right. You're right. right. Per married couple. There was I sixty bill. There was sixty bill. This bill should have been about two or three pages. It was six thousand pages. This is an interesting one. Four hundred and fifty-three million dollars for Ukraine. That's where Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's Burisma scam was located. $15 million for Pakistan for gender study, a wall around Jordan. We can't have a wall here, but we can build a wall for the Jordanese people. Really? I mean, come on. This is pathetic. Well, there was $10 million for gender programs meant to help women get education and start businesses in Pakistan, or as our former president said, Pakistan. So, Whatever. Um, you know what? It's none of our business. How about that? We well, need no, to take I, I, care of the people in this country. We're the ones suffering. These Democrats have closed down all this city. Social distancing is told, turned into socialism. Well, in concert with our need to make sure that every balkanized identity group 
has their uh, their their place on the National Mall. There'll be new museums on the National Mall that'll focus on Latinos and women. And uh, Senator Robert Menendez, Democrat of New Jersey, and Representative Carolyn Maloney, Democrat of New York, sponsored that. So I'm thinking, because I'm a hair-challenged male, that we need to have the museum dedicated to uh, hair-challenged uh, you know, males in this country. What do you say? I what think say, they need to do something that could put, <laughs> put some food on somebody's plate. You know, there's a place down in Ferguson that's been there for years. A bar uh, restaurant. They they were on the news tonight. They're closing shop. They've had enough. Oh, oh, it's a shame. I tell you, it's it is a shame. shame. It's just, terrible. They're just. But it's, you know it's what? Awful this bill. They could have had three pages. It didn't need well, to be six thousand pages long. You can't even read well, to, it in two hours. Well, to to be clear, the the actual relief bill was a separate bill. They were passed as a package. So the spending was not technically a part of the, I think it was 192 page was the actual relief bill. This other is part of the omnibus spending program. And that's a difference without a, that's a distinction without a difference, right? I mean, there, there's no doubt this, this is just porculous. It's just porculous over and over again. And um, when the American people really have a chance to look into these things and call their leaders to account, uh, maybe something will change. But like I said, more and more people have a, you know, they're not as engaged with their politics and their leaders' policies as they used to be. And I think it's I want, to our detriment as a country. I wonder if hey, Josh Holly voted on this. Uh, I, I don't know Josh's vote. I know he wanted more money in the bill, so he'll probably be in favor of this. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Hey, at any rate, thanks for your call again, Larry. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take that under consideration and advisement. So after the uh, after the upcoming break, we'll uh, we'll talk to Joe Scarborough and uh, about the Truman Doctrine and see how that uh, you know how that unfolds. But it's very interesting stuff. And and I took a lot of heat for talking with Joe because um, you know Joe's an MSNBC guy and I'm a more conservative leaning guy. And I thought, uh, boy, but Joe did a great job on on writing this book. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. Anyway, we'll step aside and then we'll talk to Joe. And then after that, it'll be open lines, bottom of the hour till the end of the program. And remember, uh, there's a replay of the program uh, from 12 to 2, too. And you can always catch up on what you missed. Radio.com. Randy Tober in for Ryan Recker, Overnight America, KMOX. KMOX is St. Louis's news, talk, sports, radio. Well, hey, it's great to... Uh, to be with you, and it's especially great to be with Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, former congressman, author, and of course the MSNBC Morning Joe host. How you doing, Joe? Thanks for being with me. Why, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it, Randy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, I've had a chance to read most of the book, Saving Freedom, uh, that you've written, which is a fabulous, I mean, it's just a fabulous account of something that I think those of us who are even interested in history may weren't weren't as not, as into the the real details of what a world changing event was Truman's um, manipulation of a lot of different moving parts to to really help America become the leader of the world saving freedom Truman the Cold War and the fight for Western civilization quite quite an effort there where do you find the time to do that dude oh man I don't know I've got a three hour <laughs> show and I write a weekly Washington Post column and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing these books. I'm not really sure. I don't think it's very healthy. Uh, well, I don't know. It's but, it's it's but good. Is, it's, but, you know, go no, I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say this is something that 
I really felt uh, people people needed to have the opportunity to read this story if they wanted to, because I kind of get tired of hearing how nothing can ever work in Washington, D.C., and how Republicans can ever work with Democrats and how the job's impossible. And here you have this guy who graduated from Spalding Commercial uh, College in Kansas City, who was a failed haberdasher, who Time Magazine called a rube when he got to Washington, D.C. He was dismissed as a strange little man. FDR had little use for him. Wouldn't even really didn't even talk to him except two times when they were in the White House together. Didn't tell him about the Manhattan Project. And Harry Truman, oh, after after Roosevelt died in April of forty five, Harry Truman had more difficult decisions to make over the mm-hmm. next six months to two years. Uh, many many historians believe than any president since Lincoln and. He seemed to get everything right. And that's why, you know, he left. He got on his train and went back to Independence with a 22% approval rating. But Winston Churchill said uh, no man did more to save Western civilization than Harry Truman. And now historians, even if we all don't know the Truman story in great detail, Historians say he's a great or a near great president. So uh, the record, his record is just astonishing. Well, it's certainly interesting that, I mean, I think everyone, you know, who's got a brain and even people who are, you know, were born in the last generation still know that Truman was responsible for ending the war in the Pacific and ultimately everywhere because he dropped the bomb. Talk about a bold move. So certainly he was capable of doing those kind of bold things. But this move in... um, in an era when, as you as you chronicle, uh, Americans were war weary, and I do want to use some of your chronicling to to then pivot to our current time and learn from history. Of course, um, Americans were war weary. He had an isolationist um, uh, Republican-led Congress, both houses, uh, both chambers, and and yet he was he was able to politically maneuver what amounted to sort of plunging into American involvement abroad. And had he not done that, this was a time when the Soviets were advancing into uh, Eastern Europe and threatening Western Europe and Greece and Turkey, as you write. And Greece and Turkey was, of course, the, the real pinch point there. And yet he made that happen with a lot of deft political maneuvering. Uh, and I thought that was fascinating because had he not done that, I don't know where we'd be at this point. I mean, we'd probably the Soviets probably would be ruling the world. Who knows? Well, they certainly would have helped the the communists in, in Greece take over Greece. Turkey would have fallen. Iran would have fallen. Western Europe would have fallen. It would have we, we would have had exactly what uh, we were fighting against from 1941 to 1945. And that is uh, the entire continent of Europe. Uh, under siege from a totalitarian power, from a dictator this time. I mean, it would be Soviet communism yeah. instead of, uh, you know, Hitler's Germany. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. you're right. It was it was Harry Truman. You look at Truman, you look at LBJ, who was extraordinarily successful uh, on the domestic stage with, with getting legislation through Congress. Uh, and and here you have two guys. Well, and you could say Ronald Reagan on the conservative side. You got these three guys who uh, graduated again from uh, Spalding Commercial College, LBJ. I think it was Southwest Texas Teachers College, Ronald Reagan Eureka College. 
and they didn't have the the educational pedigree that people uh, would have preferred Washington insiders and 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 people in the press. They understood how to make things work. Reagan, because he was governor, a conservative governor in California of a liberal state. So we had to learn how to compromise with the other side very quickly. But with Truman and LBJ, and I think also we're going to find uh, with Joe Biden, you have people who had the right political pedigree. They understood how the Senate worked. They understood that, yes, it was it was fantastic to have great men around him like George Marshall and Dean Acheson and uh, Avril Harriman and George Kennan. Talk about the best and the brightest. But at the end of the day, it was an old politician from Missouri getting together with an old politician from Michigan, a Republican and a Democrat, the Republican, a, a longtime isolationist, sitting down across the table and hammering out compromises. And Walter Isaacson uh, writes in The Wise Men that that not only did Truman work with uh, the, the chairman of, of the, the, the Foreign Affairs Committee during the day, Arthur Vandenberg, he would send his staff over at night uh, to go to his townhouse and sit around, have drinks, and they would keep him informed with everything that had been happening throughout the day. So Truman worked his Republican counterparts extraordinarily well, and it made all the difference in the world. He passed the Truman Doctrine. He passed the Marshall Plan. He passed uh, NATO. I mean, these were all radical concepts for a Republican Party in a nation that had been isolationist in peacetime since George Washington wrote his farewell letter leaving the office. And you and you fairly, though, note, too, that while it was, in retrospect, necessary, essential and, and, and existentially <laughs> uh, pivotal that that these things happened and that America did prop up Greece and Turkey as as Brits didn't have the fuel to do it anymore. And had they not done it, the Soviet Union would have been happy to come in and fill that void. That sometimes those um, that general notion of America taking the baton from Brit- Britain and, and, and leading the world, um, uh, lest it be the Soviet Union, sometimes we went down some wrong roads. I mean, you comment on that. I mean, you know, the Vietnam War, um, some, I think most everyone now agrees, the Iraq War in retrospect, probably a mistake in the same manner, trying to lead. What, I, I think George Bush is a noble man with great moral, you know, democracy is great. Let's bring it to the world. But, you know, when we try to force it on the world, it doesn't work out so well. I get that. But so it, so the Truman Doctrine in terms of let's America lead the world, let's give um, aid and military aid. But he didn't really endorse getting into another war. And sometimes, though, we went down the wrong path and went too far. Wouldn't you agree? That's the gist, I guess. We we definitely did. The Truman Doctrine, when applied too rigidly, led to disasters, led to a disaster in Vietnam, uh, most obviously. But, you know, um, when I got to Congress in 1994, we, we had just won the Cold War. And we, we had this belief that, you know, because we applied the Truman Doctrine, because we gave aid uh, and comfort and, and military support, often at times, to any country that had been threatened by Soviet communism, we thought that could apply to just about anything. And I will be the first to admit, after 9-11 and after George W. Bush talked about Iraq, I thought, well, you know, this worked with mm-hmm. – 
you know, against the Soviet Union, why wouldn't this work against our new foe, which is Islamic radicalism? Uh, we've got a, a guy who may be developing, uh, uh, you know, nuclear weapons. Uh, so why don't we try to apply the Truman Doctrine to the new world we live in? Well, as we found out, there are not Thomas Jeffersons in every country. Uh, yep. And there are, and and at the time, uh, we there were people who suggested that sometimes there are just cultural differences um, between countries, and some countries uh, are not uh, as prone to accepting democratic leadership uh, and, and democratic institutions. Um, you know, we we made those assumptions, and those assumptions cost us a great deal. So, I think any, I, you know, I was. <laughs> I was a very ideological young man when I got to Congress in my early 30s, and I've learned that uh, the the great conservative thinkers were right, uh, like Russell Kirk. Be suspicious of all ideologies. Uh, Use uh, use custom and convention and tradition and compromise uh, to arrive at, 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 at what policies you make. And I think the Truman Doctrine an extraordinary policy for its time. NATO is extraordinary for its time. The Marshall Plan was extraordinary for its time. These are some institutions in the 21st century now uh, that were that that were crafted after World War II uh, that need some updating. They're critically important, but they do need some updating. And we can't just rigidly apply the Truman Doctrine to everything uh, that that confronts us moving forward over the next 75 years. Joe Scarborough, author of Saving Freedom, Truman, The Cold War, and Fight for Western Civilization. Great read, folks. Pick it up. Download it onto your Kindle. It really is truly a wonderful book. Thank you for being with me, Joe. Thank you, Doctor. I greatly appreciate it. Well, that wraps up. And it's a great read. Maybe you pick it up and a little stocking stuffer for, uh, for someone in your life who enjoys history. Uh, Randy Tobler in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America, KMOX Radio. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. It's like a mandatory. Well, that was a fun talk with Joe Scarborough. Well, I'm disappointed there's not going to be any snow. Yes, last evening there was snow in the forecast for Wednesday. I thought, well, maybe a little bit could linger around, at least give us the feeling of a white Christmas. No luck there. It's weird weather, though. Sort of changeable. It's going to... Temperatures were lower an hour ago than they are now. St. Charles, 47. It was 46 last hour. Edwardsville, 44, the same. Downtown at the Arch, it's 46. So that's the same. It's going to be heading up to 50. So anyway, good weather. I, um, I'm hoping that tomorrow the temperatures in my neck of the woods are going to be... Uh, will allow me to... Um, to work in my apiary um, in the bee yard. I've got to, I've got to get into the hives just a little bit to, to, to put some winter feed with them. And I'm hoping that uh, it, I don't want it too cold because that's not good for the brood. You know, the little, the little boogers that are going to sustain the, the colony. So hope that'll work. Had a good harvest this year. Got, I don't know, four or five, five gallon buckets of honey. It was good. I don't know. Mr. Producer's over there like Winnie the Pooh going, honey, honey, I love it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good for you, too. You know, there's been a lot of talk about allergies with the COVID vaccine, and 
people that have a history of being allergic in the past to getting various vaccines, you know, may be at some higher risk and there, there may be a cautionary tale there, although they don't, they don't, uh, they're not prohibiting that. Only if you've had an allergy to the specific COVID vaccine, how many people would that be? Like maybe one now? No, six. In, in the U.S., there's been six reported cases. This was as of the CDC's reporting on the 21st, I believe. Um, last evening, but I think that may have been data over the weekend. At any rate, there's been over 300,000 injections of the Pfizer vaccine and more of the Moderna, but those haven't yet been tabulated. And, um, and only six of those reactions, which is the point, I figured it up today, 0.002%. That's, that's really good. That's remarkably good. And, um, and so Maybe maybe those people need to eat some of my honey with the you know with the the pollen and so forth in it. I don't really highly refine it. I just uh, filter it through a little screen, couple of screen meshes, and uh, leave it go. I don't. I think it's good to have it sort of in its raw state, its natural state. Not quite as you know crystal clear amber. Look through it, you know, and see if, you know on a clear day you can see forever and ever. There's a song there somewhere, but. Um, I, there are immunologic benefits to having local honey. There's no doubt about it. And you know, the honeybees, if you want to pick up a good hobby this coming year, the honeybees would be a good, a good, a good thing to think about because they're in decline and yet they're needed for our food, for our gardens, or for their great pollinators. And again, our, um, our ever abundant quest for perfectly manicured and weed free, you know, environments means a lot of, a lot of pesticides and, and some of those can leach into the into the honeybee you know space, and that's not good because obviously they're getting the the pollen and off the plants that were sprayed with the pesticides. So that may be part of it. There may be some other things going on. No, it's not global warm. I'm not going to go to the global warming thing. I don't think it's climate change. I think it's talk about them. That is a man-made calamity waiting to happen. If we lose our pollinators, it's an important part of the food chain. Take it from a biologist. Trust me, that would be that'd be worse than a radio talk show host not having a producer. I want to thank Nathan Piercy, our producer, and my Saturday producer, Frank Ladd, for helping me uh, through the programs, along with Carl Middleman, uh, the last couple of nights. Been fun to be on for Ryan. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great part of the day to do a radio program, because you can collect your thoughts and, and then have a conversation with people. And we've had a few extended conversations on the calls this evening. There's a little time left if you want to give me a buzz. I'd be curious about what you thought about my my um, little monologue about, about virtues and how they seem to be fading in America. I mean, solid American virtues are at least, they're not on display as frequently and as ubiquitously as I think they used to be. Now, maybe I'm just nostalgic. It's that time of year when we get nostalgic. I watch the, the, the Christmas story at least once or twice. And, of course, A Wonderful Life. That's my wife's favorite movie. And she watches that. And I, you know, I watch it, too. I love that. It's a great story. Um, and, and probably every one of you could be George, right? And you could say, what would the world be without me? And I, you wouldn't want to pat yourself on the back too much. But everyone makes a difference. And, and at the same time, everyone uh, can make mistakes. So we talked about the virtues of... Of, of giving gratitude. We don't tend to do that as much as think as I used to see. There's an awful lot of criticism and judgmentalism going on. It's easy to do that on social media. 
I think there's a, a tremendous lack of grace. Uh, this cancel culture thing has just really brought that to the fore, hasn't it? The fact that when when someone has made a, an error, I think that I would like to think that most people, most of the time, make good faith efforts and judgments and decisions. They just don't always work out. And and somehow it just seems like, um, I don't know, when you... You think about the employment rules and about HR departments being one of the strongest departments. And this is, not to, this is not to denigrate HR professionals by any stretch of the imagination. But my policy manuals are like, you know, God, it makes, a, makes the 5,000-page omnibus spending and COVID relief bill look like a, like a children's book in comparison to some of these policy manuals. Do this, don't do that. If you do this, there's discipline. We got and I go, where's you know? And and so at our place, we've tried to implement a just culture where there's more. We we try to find reasons to make it about a system error that either didn't protect someone from making a mistake, or worse, allowed them to make a mistake and invited it because of a flaw in the system rather than the person. That's where we choose to go first in the place I lead. And I think a lot of great places do that. But the human tendency is to point the finger and play the blame game, right? What happens when you're on the receiving end of the pointing of the finger and you did what you thought was your best and you made your best shot at it and it didn't work right? And maybe it was it was a goof. It was an honest-to-God goof. How great did it feel when you had grace from someone for a good-faith effort that went awry? And how good would it feel to give that to someone in return who deserves it? Because the body of their work has been good and noble and uplifting and contributing to their fellow man and society, and they goofed. Feels good to give grace to folks like that. And then there's the humility virtue. We don't have people that, and maybe that's because there's so much accountability and data gathering and monitoring and uh, you know, key performance indicators, you know, how many widgets did you make? Oh, you only made 10 widgets last hour. Huh. A good widget maker makes 12 widgets. Well, but I did the best widgets and that's the best I can do. <laughs> no one says that. Well, it's not my fault. So I think that humility is lacking as well. Are there any other virtues that may be lacking or that at least are not maybe as prominent as they, we would like them to be? And is there a proximate relationship between the relaxation of virtuous living? Remember, our founder said that the country, you know, democracy is a delicate balance. And I'm paraphrasing uh, several of them and putting into one, you know, conglomerate persona, if you will. John Adams said it, you know, others said it, that I think Ben Franklin, I believe, said it too, that this, this very delicate thing we call American democracy, the constitutional republic, this great American experiment, depends on a virtuous people. <clears throat> what I saw over the summer was not virtuous behavior. What I see politicians denigrating one another, and that's up and down the line. That includes Donald Trump and it includes Democrats. Lots of them. Um, it troubles me that uh, we, we've come to the point that we, we, there's just not a whole lot of virtuous behavior. And I'm not saying everyone should be namby-pamby, you know, patty cakes. That's not it. You can have a firm position. You can defend it vigorously. 
but darn it, you don't need to be mean-spirited. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it, tell me if I'm wrong here. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be way wrong. Maybe it's a time for us. Things are so screwed up, depending on your perspective, <clears throat> that it takes fiery rhetoric and lots of flame th- bomb throwing, you know, and I mean that, I mean that rhetorically. <laughs> I mean that very rhetorically. So we'll have to see where it's going to go. We'll have to see who's going to blink first because both sides are lined up like the uh, the proverbial dodgeball teams on either side of the gym. Remember that? And you know that if the guy with the big, strong biceps and triceps gets one of those smaller dodgeballs and nails you with it, watch out. So he's not your buddy. And you got a guy on your side who can sting the other people too. And everyone's lined up, waiting. Well, I don't know when, I don't know who's going to blink first. Who's going to come and say it's maybe, maybe it's time to call a truce, but I'm going to call BS on you. If I throw you an olive branch and then you put a red hot poker in my eye, it's going to take a real statesman, a real American genuine statesman to try to mend things. And I don't see one on the horizon. Do you? Give me a call if you do. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up in this last segment with that. Is there anyone on the political horizon, maybe in the, in the world of business? I don't know, maybe academic. Who knows? Someone out of nowhere that can, that can mend things by rising above the fray and being, yes, full of grace, full of gratitude, full of humility, and being a real leader. Anyone on the horizon? Maybe. Do you think Joe Biden's that person? Kamala Harris? I don't know. 314 436-7900. Overnight America with Ryan Recker. But tonight, you get Randy Tobler. Got to put up with me for another segment. Give me a buzz and let me know what you think about leadership in this country. And uh, where's it going? And um, where's it taking us? We'll be back for the last segment and wrap it up after this. Hi, it's Debbie Monterey. Happy holidays to you and yours, and thanks for being part of our family here on KMOX. Happy holidays from KMOX. You know, we didn't get to talk about... um, I guess no. I guess everyone feels as though we have a uh, a virtuous society. No, I guess I'm I'm off my rocker. <clears throat> and maybe we really do. It's just that um, the loudest, shrill, most shrill voices with nothing else to do but be loud and shrill on social social media, with 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 just out of this world bombastic rhetoric, left and right. Maybe they're the ones that get heard because they're just yelling. They're the squeakiest wheels. That could be. And the rest of us are going about with our virtuous lives. I'd like to think that. I hope so. I guess that just doesn't square with the great ratings that um, <laughs> that the opinion cable news networks get, right? Tough. We, we didn't, Mr. Producer, we did not talk about favorite songs, favorite Christmas songs. We didn't get there. I like them all, but I think, um, I don't know, it's it's hard to argue with um, Chestnuts Roast, you know, the Christmas song, Mel Torme. But I have a bias for Mel Torme, one of the one of the greatest musicians that the American scene has ever seen. I mean, and a consummate musician. I mean, of course, he was a vocalist, but holy cow, unbelievable. 
something else. But that's a great one. Mm. Uh, some of the new ones I'm not all that crazy about. But, uh, well, the Mariah Carey one. What's that one? Uh, all I Want for Christmas. Yeah, that was a big one. This year, um, the Feliciano tune. What is it, 50 years old? This year is now coming back. It's number one. At least it was last Saturday. I don't know if it still is. But uh, how old is he, Feliciano? Uh, uh, that's Feliz Navidad, of course. I don't know how old he is. I got to look this up here and see. See, yeah, Jose Feliciano. I don't know, but he's uh, he's back and you know, rocking it with that official video in 2016 is up there. What do you, Mr. Producer, is playing? Is that your favorite song? Oh, okay. I don't think so. Not mine. It's okay. It's got that sort of monotonous uh, feeling in the back. But I like the religious uh, gospel, uh, the religious music as well. That's important. You know, once our family developed um, one of our first, we developed an interesting habit. And those of you who may get Christmas cards from us know that we like to to play off of uh, of Christmas tunes with a little pun. And then the picture is is composed around the pun. Because, you know, being a relatively, you know, low-life, knuckle-dragging conservative, I all I know is pun for humor. But one of the first family pictures that we did was the three, we, we dressed the kids, everyone had a little um, sweatshirt on that said, Orient Asphalt Company, Orient Asphalt Company, picture it now, picture it. And at that time, we got some, this was back in the 90s, and at that time, we got some, uh, the Burger King hats, you know, the little hats they gave to the kids. So they all had a little crown. And, and we put smudge on their, on their cheeks and gave them the, the, the little spreaders that you use to spread asphalt, you know, the, the resealer on your driveway if you have an asphalt driveway. Are you ready for it? Wait for it. Wait for it. And we took a picture of the kids and it was we three kings of Orient Tar. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, that's about as good as it gets here in the midnight hour, or right before the midnight hour. <laughs> anyway, it became a tradition in our family, and we had a lot of fun after that. Uh, I think it was a few years down the road. We had a globe. We were all gathered around the globe, you know, like a like you'd see in the history class in, in the schoolroom, and um, we all had bottles of joy dish detergent and we were pouring it on the globe and it was joy to the world see so we're sort of playing with the old christmas song theme there and when we thought of those we didn't have my neither my wife nor i had a lick to drink can you believe that how good they could have been and how funny and how rewarding and how fruitful and bountiful if we had a little spot of jim beam or something who knows <laughs> at any rate uh so i think we've only got a minute to go here hey i want to thank you for joining me and for being with me uh, these last couple evenings uh i'll uh i'll be back sunday and uh a little abbreviated program late in the evening i think 11 o'clock will get started and uh anything that uh that you've heard you can of course replay on the podcast and uh, there'll be some replay for the next couple hours as well especially want to thank Ryan Recker for allowing me to sit in his very, very formidable chair and try to fill his formidable shoes. Hope we've done a reasonable job of entertaining and informing you. Thanks for those of you who called and uh, hope that um, 
you'll join me again in the future. And more than anything, I wish you a peaceful and joyous holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas or observe Hanukkah or whatever you observe, and uh, similarly, a healthy and prosperous New Year. And again, thanks to my producers, Nathan and Frank and all the gang that helped. That'll wrap it up for now. We'll see you. It's Overnight America on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 